Hello, you ugly. No, mm, it seems a little negative. Hello, my beautiful, gorgeous sluts. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode nine of the Planet Jaden podcast. Let's go. So in this episode, it's going to be yet another SCP Foundation story. Uh, This one's a little bit different. This one's not necessarily about a creature or or an entity per se. This one is more about a machine that can extract your soul. I know. It's a little crazy. And it's going to be a little bit confusing, but I'm going to do my best to make it as clear for you as I can. While I was reading it, I was like, damn, I'm a little confused. And so I can only imagine that people who are just listening and not like, like reading along or seeing like what I'm seeing, it's going to be a little bit confusing. But like I said, I'm going to do what I can to make sure that y'all understand what's happening. So without further ado, let's get right on into it. Hell yeah. The SCP Foundation is a secretive organization that contains anomalies or supernatural items and entities away from the eyes of the public. SCP stands for Secure, Contain, and Protect. All anomalies that come within Foundation hands receive an object classification for the purpose of research priority, budgeting, and other considerations. The class assigned to an object is generally determined by a number of factors, but most importantly by a combination of its difficulty to be contained as well as the danger posed to Foundation personnel and humanity at large. All Foundation personnel are granted security levels representing which locations and information they may access. Each level has an overseer who controls what is disclosed and what is kept secret. There are six main levels, level 0 to level 5, from least confidential to top secret. There are various types of Foundation personnel, including test subjects, researchers who study the anomalies, engineers who design containment facilities, field agents and task force who handle initial containment operations, and the O5 Council. The O5 Council refers to the committee consisting of the highest ranking directors of the Foundation, with complete access to all information regarding anomalies in containment. The O5 Council oversees all Foundation operations worldwide and directs its long-term strategic plan. Due to the sensitivity of their positions, O5 Council members must not come into any direct contact with any anomalies, objects, entities, or phenomenon. Furthermore, the identities of all O5 Council members are classified. All Council members are to be referred to only by their numeric designation, O5-1 through O5-13. The leader of the O5 Council is known as the Administrator. SCP-158 is installed in Operating Theater 7 in Bio-Research Area 12. Personnel are not to be allowed in, nor is power to be supplied to the room unless they have submitted and approved a proper clearance requisition form to the Chief of Research Professor. Personnel wishing to use the device must request and read the entire transcribed instruction manual in full. During the device use, two armed guards are to remain on standby outside of the room at all times. 
In the event of an accident, all power must be cut to the room instantly, and guards are to examine the room carefully for any signs of misconduct. Misconduct will be punished in a manner decided by the chief of research on a case-by-case basis. SCP-158 is a large mechanical arm, similar to one that one might find in an automotive factory. Although the end attachment is unusually shaped, resembling a pointed tridactyl claw, its optimal placement is to be installed and suspended upside down. Its base attached to the ceiling in a room that has to be built to accommodate. A series of cables are protruding from the base, and some are connected to a complex mobile console, complete with a VDU, visual display unit, and full keyboard. All others should be connected to a working power supply if the device is to be operated successfully. At the bottom of the console, there is a dispensing device with attachments for a container, roughly 7.3 centimeters in width and 17.8 centimeters in height. The arms, cables, and console have sustained fire damage, though this is purely cosmetic and does not affect the device's performance. When activated, the device will take 20 minutes to boot up and become fully functional. When used correctly upon a living organism that displays cognition, SCP-158 will remove an unknown substance and transfer it through the dispensing device beneath the console. The optimum container for this substance is a glass jar or beaker that fits the attachments. After this action is performed, the organism that is being performed on will cease all higher brain function. The subject will not respond to external stimuli and will no longer exhibit any movement beyond basic reflex actions. The substance removed is gaseous, though its overall appearance and property differs from subject to subject. The substance is an indefinite source of kinetic, electrical, heat, and light energy, although the rate and output, again, differ from subject to subject. The device was found in late 2007 within a burned-out hospital that had been in apparent disuse for a large, discernible period of time. Rough estimate would put it at over five years. Along with the device was a badly damaged owner's manual, which contained instructions on how to use the device. These instructions have since been transcribed and copied numerous times, with a single copy always being present in the containment room. While the instructions clearly state how to maintain and use the device, the chapters chronicling who built it and what it did were too badly damaged to be read, requiring a process of trial and error to find it. Experiment Log 158A Experiment 1 the device worked perfectly. It seems the damage to it is causing was merely cosmetic, but more interesting was the substance extracted from subject 001A. It's dark brown in color and some strange cross between liquid and gas. It should be analyzed in around an hour. Attempts to get the subject to show any sort of brain activity as of yet has been met with no progress. Still, no great loss. Experiment 2. This time the substance was a light blue and seemed more active than the previous one. I wonder if it has anything to do with the difference in age. Experiment 3. The test results came back, but they were inconclusive. They couldn't find anything. Literally, there were no signs that the substance even existed, apart from the steady emitting light and heat. 
Anything else? Nothing. Again, the subject has produced another different sample, different in color and in the energy output. This is quite odd. Experiment 6. There was a slight accident involving my assistant, Lucy. I'm not sure how she managed it, but she knocked the sample from subject 6B onto her laptop. The strange thing was, was that it was out of power beforehand. Now it's running, despite the fact that both the plug and the battery have been removed. However, there are some irregularities in its actions. Small glitches, nothing serious. It does make me wonder. Experiment 11. This is the last one for the night. This sample is different, just like all the rest, but I've been noticing some semblance of a pattern to it. After a few more experiments tomorrow, I believe I'll be able to elaborate. None of the subjects extracted from today have come out of the vegetative state. There's physically nothing wrong with them. I've had them all screened for every possible medical anomaly. They're just not there. Lights are on, but nobody's home. Still, despite this, I'm keeping them restrained and under guard, and Lucy's laptop, just in case. With the kind of things that go around here, it's better to be safe than sorry. The following day, Experiment 24. I was right. There is a pattern to it. I'm almost certain the irregularities in energy output are caused by the subject's age and vitality. As for the difference in color, I think it may be down to the subject's disposition but I'm not sure. I need to run a couple more tests and get the original files on the subjects. Lucy's laptop is still running, despite not having a power source for two days. There's no trace of the substance, internal or external. There's not even a mark on the casing. The irregularities are strange too. If left idle on a word processor, text will write itself, but it's gibberish. Still, an experiment that warrants some investigation. Experiment 27. I've tried putting the substance obtained from the subjects into various mechanical and electronic devices. The results are surprising. All of them have began to work independently of an external power source. The ones of an electrical nature exhibit slight glitches in the intermittent nature. The mechanical items worked far more smoothly, although there were still occasional oddities. The experimentations on the subjects continue. I think we'll stop when we go through around 50. The following day. Experiment 45. The substances implanted in the objects have proven to be able to be removed by using the same machine. When they were extracted, they were exactly the same as before. We could use these as a type of infinite energy, but we would have to find a way to get past the constant discrepancies in behavior. I left the original one in Lucy's computer. The glitches seem to be getting more frequent and more specific. Now it opens the word processor itself and types coherent sentences. I've saved them to file for research purposes. The camera and microphone activate themselves and try and remain on regardless of attempts to turn them off. After a while of doing that, the word processor opened and typed out the words, quit it, you asshole. I'm submitting it for testing. Experiment 49. The laptop passed the test and has displayed characteristics similar to Subject 6B, the original donor, although Subject states that it has no memory of time past when it was 
entered in the laptop. This confirms my suspicion. Against all logic and scientific reason, SCP-158 is a device that extracts what most people would term a soul. This only opens up the possibility for experimentation. This session, however, is over. Note, the doctor blank is promoted to the head of studies regarding SCP-158. Further experimentations and its products will continue. Additional notes, the device is also capable of reversing the extraction, placing the same or different substance back into the subject. When this action is performed, the subject will regain all cognition and higher brain function, but the total results differ depending on whether or not it was in the original substance extracted from the patient that was replaced. Addendum 1. Dr. Blank suggests experimentation with Class D personnel and electronic equipment to attempt to reproduce SCPs-168, SCP-1875, SCP-2306, or similar. Experiment Log 158-AG Pre-Experiment Note I've gathered up several Class D personnel, having interviewed and evaluated them all and picked those with personalities and characteristics that I like or would be useful. Some are male, others are female. As I believe the soul transcends the flesh it is interned in. But the purpose of this experiment is to test the extra capabilities of the device, those spoken upon in heavily damaged sections of the book. I've pored over them many times, trying to glean as much information as I possibly could from it. But the instructions I managed to get were sketchy at best and downright unhelpful at worst. But that will not deter me. I am a researcher. Trial and error are my middle names. Experiment 1. I withdrew the first subject's soul. Try as I might, I was unable to do anything extra to it. But then again, there was such a small window of time for me to utilize it and try everything. But on the bright side, I managed to reverse the process. While that had been done before, no one has discovered the sequence needed to activate operating on blind luck. This is the first thing I'll concentrate on. Experiment 5. I've done it, and it really wasn't that hard. Experiment 6. You know, I've noticed that there's a small period in the middle of the operation where the process pauses as if it's waiting for further commands. I think that's when further inputs can be made. I'll have to start checking. Experiment 7. I've been removing and re-implanting the same soul into the same test subject, mainly as a form of experimentation with the controls, but also as practice. Oddly enough, there doesn't seem to be any sort of side effects regarding the subject's health. One would think there would be, considering what I'm doing to her. Regardless, I've been probing around that pause with the controls, and I think I almost have it. Experiment 11. I've got it. It completely stopped during the pause, and a completely new set of options appeared on the monitor. Things like split, merge, remove aspects, add aspects, and combine aspects. From this, I can only deduce that the device is capable of internally storing and modifying these souls for other subjects. This is exactly what I was looking for. Experiment 12. The aspects that the machine talks about are 
difficult to define properly. They're all noted by a single word each, often something obscure from various religious texts. I've had to pour over the holy books for at least four major religions and six minor ones just to understand what the machine was trying to tell me. And even then, I'm still not entirely sure I understand. As far as I know it, most of these aspects are facets of a person's personality and their general basic behavior, as well as things like willpower, understanding, conscience, creativity, empathy, and drive. This may take some time to truly figure it out. Experiment 37. This is taking much, much longer than I originally anticipated. So far, I've discovered that the device itself can store up to 10 different souls and their composite aspects and modify them internally. Finding out exactly what each aspect corresponds with is difficult to say the least. I'm having to modify each subject slightly, then send them out for a complex psychological evaluation to try and discern exactly what I did. Then I have to repeat the process several more times just to make sure. I'm trying to say the least, but on the upside, at least I'm becoming more proficient at the device. Experiment 42. This is getting ridiculous. This has sucked up most of the time in my day, and I'm nearly falling asleep here. There has to be a different way to monitor or measure the changes in these people's souls. I'm going to try and get onto R&D and see if they can find some sort of way to reverse engineer some part of the device, something to make this run just a little bit smoother, something to help us understand it a little bit more. I know how it operates, but I'm shooting in the dark here. I'm like a child with a piano. I know which keys make which sounds, but I can't play the song. I'll try again tomorrow. Maybe the morning will bring new ideas. Experiment 57. I had thought I had a grasp on the idea of the limits of this device, but I was proven wrong. I had assumed the machine was at a fault, being too complicated for its own good. Now I realize my mistake. It's not the machine, it's the very nature of the human soul. There's no true way to express something like that in mere words, although this machine desperately tries to do that. That said, it will take me some time to be able to use the device competently enough to do what I'm hoping to do. I have to study the things I've seen and record it to the very limit of my abilities. Experiment 80. I've left the device alone for a moment electing to study my notes, then raise more questions relating to the device. I've recorded over 400 different words in regards to the aspects with an almost unlimited number of combinations compatible. Seems apparent, of course, considering the complexity of the human condition. But should I master this device? The possibilities could be endless, but such a thing doesn't seem to be anywhere in sight. It may take months even years to simply grasp this device, let alone do what I have suggested. I plan to do it in days. Experiment 93. There's still no real progress. At most, I've gotten a single soul that is composed of all I've learned, but it's something that I can't quite describe. When interacted with the host, it's highly interesting. But when I send it for a psyche test, the results basically go out the window. We can't get a valid result, which in and of itself is impossible. Experiment 95. I've been modifying this composite soul 
which I'll dub Subject Zero for the time being. And every time I do so, I get the feeling that there's more to this than meets the eye. It seems to be more aware of its surroundings, more knowledgeable than its host should allow, displaying an intellect that would outstrip most researchers in this place, many over time, possibly even me. Experiment 107. My god, this is unprecedented. The reason why the evaluations were so inconclusive, why Subject Zero seems so knowledgeable, why it seems to be able to see another world around it, they make it all make sense now. Subject Zero, by some fluke of chance or by my meddling with this machine, somehow simultaneously exists on this plane of existence and several others. I've created an entity that exists beyond the scope of human interaction, a consciousness that can see and hear and feel and think outside of this realm. It's more aware of what I've been doing and it appreciates having me created it. It is, in a sense, immortal. Even if its physical host is destroyed, it is capable of continuing to survive beyond that, only slightly limited in this level of existence. It revealed the truth to me, and I've asked it to answer my questions for evaluation honestly, and it agreed. Experiment 110. Zero would make an excellent candidate for my assistant. It respects and admires me for its creation, much a child would an endearing mother figure. I have assured it that it would be treated well and that will be given a host to the best of my ability to create. All that is asked of me is that I give, give it a name other than zero. A name, not a number. I told it to give itself a name, to christen itself with whatever it so wishes. It told me it would have to think about it. Note, the composite soul has been accepted as a component for the Olympia Project. The Olympia Project. Project aims to successfully create an artificial humanoid through the use of several SCPs and use it to the benefit of the Foundation. SCPs utilized. SCP-40. Discontinued for the purpose due to technical difficulties. SCP-134 as raw materials, 148 as raw materials, 158 for the altering of raw materials and obtaining composite materials and for the final integration, 291 for altering composite materials and for final integration, 500 as raw material, 542 for altering of materials and the finished product as well as surgical consultation. 784 as raw material. 914 for the altering of raw material. Olympia Integration Experiment Alpha. Experiment aims to construct the physical body using SCP-291. Parts that will be utilized Brain of Experiment Theta Test Subject 9 Lungs and Diaphragm from Theta Subject 2 Heart from Subject 2 and Subject 5 Digestive System from Subject 10 Reproductive Organs from Subject 5 Left Eye from Subject 13 Right Eye 
from subject two. Upper left torso and arm up to elbow, subject two. Upper right torso and arm up to elbow, subject two. Lower left torso and upper leg, subject two. Lower right torso and upper leg, subject two. Lower left leg and foot, subject five. Lower right leg and foot, subject five. Lower left arm and hand, subject two. Lower right arm and hand, subject two. Neck and head, subject five. Full skeletal system, subject five. Full lymphatic and circulatory system, subject 11. Skin, subject two. Integration log. December 21st, 2008. 1800 hours. Integration begins. 1847 hours. Integration taking longer than normal. 1904. Integration finally complete. Subject's vitals are highly elevated. 1905. Subject displays signs of neurogenic shock. 1906. Subject's BPM per heart exceeds 150. 1908. Subject seizes respiration. 1909. Subject goes into cardiac arrest. 1911. Subject is successfully resuscitated. Breathing and heartbeat resume. 1912. Subject goes into cardiac arrest. 1915. Subject is successfully resuscitated. Breathing and heartbeat resume. 1917. Subject's vitals are stabilized. Post-operation notes. I'm unsure as to what caused the subject's mid-organ failure, although I think it may have been the homeostasis of the various different organs succumbed to mild shock before finally adapting to one another. Also, there seems to be a vast amount of cellular activity in the subject, with the various tissues in the body system adapting to each other. The subject is looking to be greater than the sum of her parts. Olympia Integration Experiment Beta Experiment aims to integrate the physical body of the subject with the mental body using SCP-158. Materials used The product of Olympia Integration Experiment Alpha The product of Experiment Log 158-AG known as Subject Zero Special Operating Notes Special precautions have been taken should the subject behave differently than originally anticipated, several strike teams are on call and the entire test chamber is to be flooded with a nerve gas should the subject appear hostile. Integration Log 1600 hours. Integration begins. 1602. Integration stalled. 1604. Integration restarted. Integration stalled. Restarted. Stalled restarted. 1621. Integration reaches midpoint of operation, although is performing slowly. 1624. Integration slows far past normal rates of integration. 1645. Integration enters final stage. 1652. Integration stalls momentarily. 
1653. Device emits grinding noise. 1657. Integration continues at a slow rate. 1706. Integration complete. Post-operating notes. The difficulty regarding the integration could have, have been down to either the transcendental properties of the mental body, the high content of SCP-148 within the subject's bones and cell structure, or even a combination of the two. Olympia Integration Experiment Gamma Experiment aims to test the properties, capabilities, and limitations of the subject. Subject is the product of Olympia Integration Experiment Beta and is the ultimate product of the Olympia project. Pre-experiment notes. Subject will be run through various exercises and be subject to several unusual circumstances. Post-experiment notes. From this series of experiments and examinations, several exceptional factors about the subject have been determined. Physical attributes. Subject is capable of acts of great strength, lifting up to 750 pounds. Subject is capable of reacting to events at levels that border on precognition. Tissue samples have revealed that the subject's nervous tissue are built of several unknown compounds. Subject is capable of completely digesting most organic matter with little to no harm to herself. Subject can apparently see most other spectrums of light at will, though only through her left eye. The skin of the subject has displayed several photosynthetic qualities. Prolonged contact with direct sunlight or even ultraviolet light has made the subject noticeably more energetic. Subject is nearly invulnerable to basic physical damage, including conventional gunfire. Although due to the weaker composition of the skull and the structure of the head, a 45, 50, or larger conventional caliber round is capable of stunning the subject, even causing minor skull fractures. Subject has displayed almost 100% accuracy in most tests regarding to hand-eye coordination, although displays more ability with her left hand. Rather than break or crack, subject's bones bend or warp when subjected to high pressures. All of subject's circulatory, filtration, breathing, and digestive processes are highly more effective than should be physically possible. This should be due to the composition but apparently is more due to pre-integration operations on the composite material subjects under the supervision of SCP-542. Subject has the ability to heal wounds quickly, with minor wounds taking hours, and more serious ones taking a few days, although this leads to massive temporary spike in metabolism. Based on current data, it is theorized that the subject could even survive partial dismemberment or normally fatal brain damage. The immune system of the subject is highly advanced, repelling most fatal diseases, infections, and poisons, although the deadlier items do cause headaches, nausea, and vomiting for a short period of time while they are forced from the body. Mental Attributes Subject displays multitasking, complex computations, memorization, and logical problem solving on a level equal and beyond high-end scientific computers. Subject retains all abilities presented in Subject Zero pre-integration, including limited telepathy and multi-dimensional viewing. Subject is largely unaffected by mental agents, 
such as a mimetic kill agent, telepathic and subliminal suggestion, and most forms of brainwashing, among other things. Notable weaknesses. Subject's left eye is the most vulnerable part of her body. It is composed of a much weaker material than the rest of the body, and obviously leads directly to the brain. This area, if exploited properly, can lead to an instant kill on the subject with conventional means. Subject has a very high metabolism, possessing little to no fat storage abilities. Estimated time needed for a death of starvation is roughly three weeks, although this could be significantly lengthened if the subject had access to direct sunlight, or significantly shortened if the subject had been wounded first. Subject's lungs were largely unmodified, leaving the subject vulnerable to airborne agents, although, owing to the subject's unique physiology, the agents in question must be more highly concentrated to take effect. Interestingly enough, subject is still vulnerable to SCP-61. The final integration experiment, Omega, the final experiments are still being conducted. Hey everybody. So that is the end of SCP-158, The Soul Extractor. So I'm sure you can imagine just listening to it. Like it was kind of like all over the place, right? Because the original research paper had a bunch of hyperlinks and then those had hyperlinks and then those had hyperlinks. So it was just me finding the right place to like insert the next hyperlink, right? Because it wouldn't make sense for me to have done it the first time something was introduced. It made more sense for me to do it after, right? But I still tried to do it in a way that was still, it helped flow the story a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, I do have a little bit of bad news. So this research paper was posted in 2018. And the uh, Olympia Integration Project or Experiment Omega was still taking place at the time that it was published, right? Well, here we are, 2021, uh, still nothing. So unfortunately, that's going to be the end of this one. I do wish that there was a conclusion. I'm very curious about Subject Zero. Um, if you're the author, or I mean, uh, uh, if you're the, the scientist that was doing this, please email me at officialplanetjaden. Well, that's my Instagram. Email me, officialplanetjaden at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at officialplanetjaden. Or DM me on Twitter, at planetjaden. You guys can also interact with me there too. You don't just have to be a research doctor. Hello. So if you enjoyed this episode, there are a bunch more just like this one. Episode four up until this current episode, episode nine, and the next one, episode 10, are all stories similar to this one. So make sure you guys listen to those and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye bye